Well, welcome everyone to this edition of Connected by Community, a podcast brought to you by Ballantine Capital Advisors. We're here to bring you community interests, businesses, nonprofits, and other things around our community. And today I'm joined by Anthony Colincheco from our office. And also I'm privileged to be joined by John and Elizabeth Boyette. I hope I didn't butcher that. Perfect. All right. <laughs> We're trying to decide where all these names come from. And Sometimes I get them wrong being with my Southern dialect. Well, so. you did great, Mr. Ballantini. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Joking. So it's funny. <laughs> I had an intern one time that he would, he was with me a full summer. And I think by the end of the summer, he still, still couldn't pronounce Ballantine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have four names. We won't get into that whole bad subject my parents did with me, but I've never been sensitive to any of it. Right. But it became a running joke. And so still to this day, my wife will say, I'm trying to remember how he would pronounce it, Valentini or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like kind of sure. made up syllables. <laughs> and so whatever. Uh, I guess I've been called worse, right? But with boyettes, you've got boyettes that have two T's and two E's. You've got boyettes that only have one E and one T. We just go to different family reunions sometimes. Because <laughs> I get the food is. <laughs> exactly, right. I mean, we've got relatives down in the uh, in the southern Louisiana culture. We don't necessarily go to the same <laughs> reunions. And that's a shame because I'm a big fan of that uh, of that whole. I bet they say cuisine. it cool, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> well, so uh, thank you all for being here first and foremost. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I think this is our first uh, spousal folks that actually Spousal. work yeah uh, husband and wife husband team. and wife team that actually has been on our podcast they're so. missing out uh, elizabeth, elizabeth's gonna have to give us some secrets <laughs> on how to make that work how to make that work i'll one tell day you at a time one day at a time well i'll tell you this so years ago my wife used to work in my business and uh, the downside was she tried to give me her pink slip several times and I wouldn't accept it. So. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> yeah, no, Elizabeth and I, we go back to um, actually before high school. Uh-huh. The way I'll put it this, we usually talk about being high school sweethearts, but um, some people know that I met Elizabeth for the first time in junior high. We went to different junior high schools, but uh, we were on a field trip Um going to Georgia Tech to visit Georgia Tech at the time. And I saw this beautiful <laughs> young undergrad leading a group of people. Well, it turned out to be my six foot tall wife, future <laughs> wife, who was actually a, uh, a ninth grader on the same trip, but from a different school. So I kind of fell in love with gotcha. this beautiful, obviously <laughs> smart young lady who was leading the group. And then I found out later on the bus on the way back to our hometown that she was actually just at a different school in, in ninth grade. So, so what's, Small, your, right? what's your story? No. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you both uh, just tell us a little bit about, about yourself uh, personally and, and professionally? So. Well, we, we uh, like John said, we've been together since high school. We've uh, been married almost 31 years. And... Uh, we worked separate jobs and uh, decided that we wanted to start CMIT Solutions so that we uh, so didn't have to be on the road so much. So. Elizabeth's an environmental engineer, comes back from the engineering uh, project management, has had several large projects. Now, large is a relative term, but federal government, large, right? So the kind of things that, interestingly enough, one of her first projects started out to be this really small um, environmental 
kind of a, we refer to it lovingly as tank yank, right? You're basically just going to go in and remove something that was put into the ground decades before by people who didn't have the same stringent standards maybe in place at the time. Well, but you didn't know exactly what was in it. You just had what was on the manifest. So there's supposed to be um, rather benign things in there. Well, they crack open this crypt, and she, as a pretty recent graduate who mm -hmm. had probably about a $150,000 budget, it turned into a multi-million dollar Superfund site, right? Was it a... Well, it was a circle site. A yeah, circle, right, but, yeah. uh, but it's still a big deal with a much larger budget. So uh, engineering background, project management, lots of big dollars. We have been working together in one form or another for decades because, you know, not just as partners in life, but across a partner desk as well, taking care of other small businesses that were doing some of the same type of work, mm -hmm. supporting her. And then eventually we went from federal contracting side of taking care of things to working for the government and, um, supporting their needs to, to clean up things as well. So after about 20 years or so of doing it for everybody else and doing it over the phone and through email and for her, a lot of frequent travel, you know, visiting all of these Air Force bases all over the United States, um, we decided rather than just doing it over the phone and the occasional Christmas party invitation, we wanted to put the roots that we had here in the community into play and be able to have face-to-face -face conversations and build client relationships. So that has led us to, you know, I still worked in short sleeves, but mostly I put long pants on now because before <laughs> I was able to do it from short sleeves and shorts and take care of technology. But No one can see below the table. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is cold outside, so I do wear long pants today. But, um, yeah, we, we have fun doing it, and we have the same desires. I've, I've been a small businessman since I was 15. I started a small business as a child, um, just cutting grass, you know, doing that lawn maintenance thing. But uh, we've evolved over the years and had a lot of different experiences. And I've always said that I work whatever way you need me to. It doesn't matter from a W-2 to 99 standpoint, whatever works for my client uh, is I'm in a position to be able to do that or, or want to be that flexible. And I always have been able to be. But here in Greenville, we're able to get together face-to-face -face with clients, meeting people, whether they have a business relationship with us or not, and just being able to discuss your needs. That, so what kind of us. needs are those? What, so, Because, you know, I know exactly what you guys do, but maybe for those folks that aren't as familiar, you know, I know you, this word we throw around managed services, <clears> I think. Right. You know, what, what does that exactly mean to the audience who has uh, technology or may not know what managed services mean. All right. Well, in the in the case of uh, your own business, you come with a regulatory compliance need, right? And it's pretty well established that from a technology standpoint, you've got personal information that cannot be compromised. So you've got regulatory standards that dictate 
to a large extent what it is that you have to do to protect those assets. Not everybody in business has that. <clears throat> we all have a same set of common needs right. when it comes to cyber hygiene, cyber security, and protecting our data, but then also just being productive because it's no different than in your house. We could put locks and security systems in place everywhere that will effectively thwart a risk, but will also prevent you from being able to come and go with ease. So it's not about building Fort Knox as much as it is about remaining productive while we address threats. And in your case, you've got some regulatory compliance um, that dictates what it is that has to be done. And this is not a bad thing at all. But for most people, we don't have this luxury. We've got best practices as a rule. And um, what John likes to say is if it beeps or blinks, we like to take care of it. And we like to focus on the IT so that you can focus on your clients. Oh, for sure. We don't have to worry about the behind the scenes IT part because most people don't. There are some geeky people who like to play with computers, but most people just want it to work so they can get this. That's what I want. I just want it to work. I just want it to work. And I picked up a new term you said earlier, cyber hygiene. I hadn't heard of that. Right. So, uh, you know, because these hackers are crazy. In fact, on the way in this morning, I was hearing about there was a cream cheese shortage apparently Mm -hmm. going on currently. And there was a ransomware hack back in Thanksgiving. Did you hear about that? No. Didn't, you know, who would have known, right? So that's affecting your bagel this morning. Um, <laughs> my son likes to have bagels, sometimes my daughter, but uh, apparently when you go to your local grocery store, there's a lot of supply chain issues, but the current issue for cream cheese lovers, mm-hmm. this is about a cream cheese podcast right now, <laughs> it is a hack called ransomware, which brings up this lovely topic because I think uh, last year there was a big other ransomware. I should remember. Oh, was always. it energy or you know, there's been several big ones, right? So for those that don't know, you know, what is it? Why should we be concerned? And what can you do to potentially, uh, other than not turn your computer on, protect yourself against it? Right. So you're referring to last year's col- colonial pipeline. Hack, That's what I'm is, thinking of. Yeah. yeah it, and it was, it was basically somebody clicks on something that they shouldn't have. Well, we're all prone to doing that. So the the key is not don't click on things, right? The key is to practice safe cyber hygiene, which is a basic set of best practices. For instance, hover over the link and have it expose itself, have it expose where it's going to go before we click on the link. But typically the way these things happen is not that Somebody just did something that was obviously dumb or obviously, um, you know, short-sighted. A lot of times the cyber baddies, the, the hackers, the malcontents are preying on us being busy. And we're all prone to getting busy. So they disguise things so that <clears throat> they look like what you're expecting or they look Uh, Like the email looks like it's something familiar and that you would be uh, prone to clicking on. And and then that's where they've got you. So I I don't recall the specific details or if it was actually exposed with the Colonial Pipeline. But no doubt, if it was not in that case, 
It has happened many times before that someone busy clicks on something that they should not have. And basically a little dropper application, a little piece of software gets installed. That little dropper application in and of itself is not the problem. That is just um, a wedge, if you will. A little application that gets installed on your computer that then opens up a backdoor, either at that time or surreptitiously later, that then opens up a backdoor that allows a what's referred to as a command and control server to then come in and start inserting the malicious ransomware or um, just any, any number of types of malware key loggers to be able to grab your keystrokes, that is, uh, capture what your passwords are, those kind of things. All those scary things fall under the heading of ransomware because the ultimate goal of ransomware is to encrypt those files and folders that are on your computer, your intellectual property, your lifeblood of your business, encrypt them in such a way that you no longer have access to them unless you, the pay victim, the pay the ransom. And typically the ransom is paid or demanded in a form of cryptocurrency, which is difficult to uh, to trace. So so if you know, these large corporations, the pipeline, the cream cheese makers, I'm sure there are large companies, <laughs> whoever the cream cheese makers are, um, if they can get hacked, um, <clears throat> you know, Recently, I had a phone call with with Ryan from from CMIT actually last night about a client of mine who 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 got hacked. It can happen to small businesses, which maybe not having the resources, or every common person, Sally or George, sitting at their computer tonight. And while we can do these things to be careful, are there software programs out there to help people? prevent against those things or are those human factors that if I click it, there's nothing to prevent that from coming in? That's a great question. It really is. And it, you know, the, the answer is going to be a combination. If you're not in a position to make good decisions, <clears throat> then it doesn't matter what software you have. So put on a comfortable pair of shoes is what I'm thinking here. Follow along with me because it doesn't matter what you do if you're not in a position to make good decisions. I can put all of the software defenses against the dark arts of the internet on your machine, and yet if you make a poor decision or don't practice good cyber hygiene, think of it as washing our hands, right? Then that software, expensive, inexpensive, you know, intrusive, non-intrusive, the, the whole gamut is powerless to act against somebody not making good decisions. Now, it's a combination of things though, because just making good decisions does not arm you with the power to thwart all these threats either. So in the same sense that we say that good effective cybersecurity is multi-layered, it begins with the user that's making decisions, but there is also a, a large component that is not just a single piece of software, but is uh, DNS filtration, anti-malware, anti-spyware, anti-spam, all these things that interfere with our ability to get work done or that are trying to put something bad on our computer that, are, that you know, is, is 
it's malicious. But then we have additional software layers that can, if something does get through, because this is always a possibility to try to, to, to budget for 100% success is the antithesis of success. To try to budget for that is not really attainable. Um, none of us on this podcast are dealing with um, healthcare equipment, hopefully, because my, my comments here are not talking about life-saving equipment. We're generally talking about PCs and Macs and business-type equipment. But without healthcare involved, if someone gets the kind of data that we have on our machine, then they're largely able to prevent our access, and that's what causes us harm. Right. That's the whole ransom aspect of it. Occasionally, the type of data that we have on our machines can be used illegitimately against us. Now, this is a real concern. Think intellectual property. Um, but for the most part, what we're trying to prevent is random access or unauthorized access. Unauthorized access in includes people within our organization sometimes. Right. So it's not just the ethereal black hat, you know, the, that and I don't mean to besmirch anybody's ethnicity or what have you. But we, we think of Ukrainian or Belarusian or that Eastern European hacker threat. Right. Well, sometimes the threat is uh, right there internally as well. And we love our employees. But what I'm trying to introduce here is the idea of least privilege. We just don't want to open up the doors. We all know this, but from a cyber security standpoint, we just don't want to open up the doors and allow access to things that somebody shouldn't have access so to. So business, it sounds like con some controls. Right? Absolutely. Systems, controls, and, and I'm assuming with businesses, and if you have employees, you could have a disgruntled employee or you could have a just a not careful employee or not not educated a busy employee, employee a busy employee i guess that's the third one right you know i always say i've had another friend of mine who was in cyber security say we're all no matter even his training level had done it for years he's now retired we're all one quick click away from making a silly decision mm -hmm. because we're human right? right so so i think controls and i think that's something I know from working with you guys, y'all have been good at doing, is putting processes in place mm -hmm. to help identify those redundant systems. And, you know, Anthony and I, we do something different for a living. So I think it's important, especially for small business owners and those that have compliance obligations, to make sure they're doing those things. Uh, and then for those that don't, developing some standards. If your industry doesn't call for them, Maybe they need, whether it's CMIT or someone else, right. for their own safety, develop some standards and procedures because we're all susceptible to these things if we don't have them. That's that's the reality. That's the realism of it. And that's the approach that we take. It's not <clears throat> trying to build the uh, perfect mousetrap, but try to, to build a, a process that is compatible with our clients' needs. And I think we've, we've mentioned to you before, our, our process is not to come in and decide whether someone who is looking to figure out whether we're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for us. We don't come in and try to put you in a box and say, well, you're a small, a medium or a large. We, we want to come in and really get to know what your business is about and what your needs are so that we can adapt our 
plethora or myriad of solutions and partnerships with with and relationships that we have with with our partners to your needs so that we can tailor uh, our solutions to your needs. Speaking of our needs, I don't want to bring this into our company, but I really should be entering, interviewing Anthony here. Maybe, yeah. maybe I should have him over because we've had, you know, don't want to call it challenges, but we've, you know, we've made some changes, some upgrades. And I'm curious, you know, what you've seen us go through and whether, you know, it's CMIT helping us or just generally things that people may not be aware of that they're as small business owners facing or not knowing they're facing and how a partner like CMIT might help? Yeah, that, that's that's actually a great question um, because I'm no IT professional and coming into Balancing Capital Advisors, one of, one of my duties was take IT off of you. Because <laughs> I'm not either, right? <laughs> Clearly. But I think a lot, a lot of times um, uh, folks don't understand that they actually need help. Um, in that world, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of small business owners, oh, I have a computer, I have an email, and, and you know, that's that's all I need. I, I don't have to worry about some of these other things because in our in our world, we are in the finance world, we deal with money, so we, we do have that, that you know, compliance um, uh, difficulties that, that, that uh, come into play. But a lot of other small businesses, they don't have, have those needs, but... Uh, for for one of our clients last night, not in the financial world, his email getting hacked. Right? W- what's that effect uh, outside of that? Is that is at, besides you know his personal life, but you know our his probably first phone call was us because we deal with his with his money. So just just asking questions that you're. The, I, I think a lot of small business owners don't know the questions they need to ask in, in when it comes to IT um, because they don't speak that sort of that terminology. So de- having CMIT be able to come in and ask you certain questions, this happened in our in our meeting, asking me certain questions and I'm just sitting there like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, we, I think it's very helpful. Yeah. And I, I that's the part I like. I like to learn about the business and what the needs are. But I think... It's, it's common in our industry, small businesses just, whether they're one person or 10 people or 50, they don't think they're gonna be attacked because they're, they think they're too small. And so we never wanna operate in a mode of fear because we wanna be proactive, but small businesses are attacked every day. So I would just say, if you're a small business, like you said, you know, look at what your risks are and make sure you've got you know your front door locked, your windows locked, or a full security system, whatever you may need, whatever the level that you may need for your business. Well, and, and just don't be afraid to have the conversation. <clears throat> Not everybody um, is trying to sell you something, right? I mean, if you get the feeling that, well, somebody's just trying to sell me something, then it's not a good fit. But there are plenty of providers such as ourselves, and it's going to sound like I'm you know, trying to plug us, but I know other people in our industry and, you know, there's a myriad of uh, or a spectrum of reasons why people do what we do. But some of us are just interested in being communicative, sharing the information that we've gathered over decades uh, and, and not being the smartest person in the room by any means, but having been plugged in to what's going on. And nobody knows it all. But 
to be open and willing to have a conversation with you about what your real risks are, helping you to identify that it's not just some Excel spreadsheets, it is the lifeblood of your business, or it's just those really, um, those really important family mementos that you want to make sure that you've got triple backed up and in multiple places so that if worse comes to worse, you don't lose grandma's recipes or those photos, right? So it, it, it extends beyond business sometimes to just being about the memories and the files that we can't afford to, to lose. But if you're not willing to have an open and honest conversation with somebody, then it's probably not a good fit for other reasons. But if you feel like somebody's just trying to sell you the latest whiz-bang solution, a piece of software that's supposed to fix it all, then you listen to your instincts. Your instincts are right. There is no one piece of software or else that's what we'd all have. Well, I was hoping you're going to have one bang up solution. I hope we we're going to end here and you're going to say, this is the one software everyone needs to have. So there's no solution. I, I'll say this, that the process that we went through with CMIT was actually very uh, edu educational and eye-opening for us, right? They, they, they got to understand our business, but then we're asking the right questions that I just sat there and just said, I have no idea. Um, if we're doing that or not. And um, just being able to go through that process allowed me to learn a lot uh, about what we're doing on a security stand, stand front in our business. So, You know, one thing that's in here to reflect in all this, I, I guess what's the one thing, and maybe you all have different answers, maybe it's the same, what's the one cybersecurity thing that scares you the most? Mm -hmm. for, for, well, for me, because it goes to a personal level and a business level is passwords. People use the same password over and over and over again for years, for months, or they may change. And passwords are how people get into our front door. And if you look at, you know, IT is a, a house, they can just come straight in your front door if they know your passwords to your banking accounts. And and it we see people's passwords, so it's amazing how simple, I mean, a lot of people are making password requirements more complicated, but we see people's passwords and they... So password one, two, three instead of password? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So make them complex and change them frequently. That that would be my my biggest concern. And I've seen it in our personal lives, you know. Even us, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit. We're people. Oh, yeah. and, um, and the human aspect of having to make things change so that you can protect yourself is, is hard sometimes. So um, I have a favorite password, but you got to change it. You got to. <laughs> have you used any of these uh, managed password programs and are they effective? They're very effective. They take the the uh, pressure off of you and, and they make the passwords complex. So that, that's that's our project uh, yeah. for yeah, 2022. Yeah, that's our next project. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Password managers for sure. Uh, and I, I'm going to go a step further as far as the uh, the big fear. The, the best way to protect yourself against ransomware is always going to be to have an effective and tested backup of your data. Yes. So that if you are compromised and someone does say, you know, uh, ha, 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 I've got you. Uh, you always have the ability to just wipe it all and start fresh, right? With ideally not losing any data. In order to do that, <clears throat> you have to have a rotating system of, of backups and, and, and a good process. My fear 
is that very patient ransomware manufacturers just evolve to outlast us and basically uh, create a solution that one day thwarts our retention policies, right? They wait so long after having encrypted our data, but still allowing us access to it, that our oldest backup, now we, we back up, if, if it's in the budget, we back up for a good solid year or more if needed. Sometimes regulatory, you got to retain records for seven years as much. But as a general rule, we're always going to retain for a year. Some people don't do that. They'll, they'll, why would I ever need anything more than three months old as far as a backup? Well, my concern in a nutshell is that a patient ransomware kit maker just doesn't let you know that they've encrypted your software until three and a half months later. And you say, so my backup is infected with ransomware as well? Yeah. So now you really have no choice. Hopefully that was clear. Yeah. Right? No, it, uh, and, and I know we do, but I think a lot of folks probably don't. So I go, uh, I go yeah. a step further than, you know, password complexity and using password managers and rotating your, uh, or not, not having that favorite password. Yeah. Right. We've all done it in the past, but we also evolve away from those kind of practices as well. And that's just good cybersecurity practice and cyber hygiene in general is that we, Stop our bad habits. Yep. Reusing passwords is a bad habit. Stop doing that. And it's not just, I mean, because you deal with clients that are personal, you deal with business clients. And, and I guess that's why I went with the passwords, because it's something that we can all relate to on a personal level and also a business level. And even for the backups for personal, I mean, we have a client that, like John was saying, they want their, whatever your treasure is, they want their treasure, which is their family pictures, made sure they're backed up. So, you know, whether it's a personal, you can do this on your own if if you're just a person that wants to make sure your data is backed up. And we don't think about that as much, but how many pictures, photos, bank records, wills, estate plans, it, all that's electronic now. And that's all things that personal people have as well as business businesses need to run. So, and, and the whole idea, the, the whole concept of a username and a password is dated. All right. If you're not making use of some additional authorization factor, a multi-factor authorization, if you're not at a minimum getting the text message with a one-time passcode before you log into your Ameritrade or your, or your Amazon or your account Amazon, or something yeah. like that. Or if Unfortunately, you have decided this is just kind of a pain and, and I don't want to have to do this. So I'm going to say I never have to do this again. I don't know. That one time opt out of, well, don't ask me for 30 days. Right. Well, in some cases that may be OK. In other cases, it's, it's not. But we need to be making good decisions. If this is a mobile device that I'm allowing that on and all someone has to do is hold it up to a picture of me and the facial recognition will open that device up and now suddenly someone who finds my phone is able to access an account that they shouldn't because Does that work for some people? 
Sure. Because I'm yeah. trying to get mine to work, and I'm here. I can't if I got my sunglasses on. Well, one question I did have, I know we, we talked a lot about um, small business owners. Uh, I'm going to talk about individuals real quick. Uh, a lot of times we get this question a lot is we'll get the phone call, I've been hacked, mm. reset all my passwords uh, that you have. What are some things that individuals could do when when they do get hacked? That, that they should do right away. Unplug your computer yeah, from, from the, the internet. And, and notice she didn't say turn off your computer. Yeah, unplug. Okay? You disconnect your computer from the internet. Now she made the you know, obvious disconnect of a LAN cable, a physical connection. But many times you're also or primarily connected through a wireless connection as well. What we're trying to do here in this case is not to <clears throat> turn the computer off, which may start a sequence of follow-on events, but we're try trying to interdict the communication, right? So that if we've already got that little dropper that I mentioned earlier on, it's prevented from being able to communicate to its command server where the bigger, worse case scenario comes from and simply disconnecting from the internet. I know it's a foreign concept. How do you, what does that mean? <laughs> well, and I don't mean take your computer out on a camping trip somewhere far away and, and, and disconnect. I mean, literally just physically disconnect and make sure that you, uh, the equivalent of an airplane mode on our phones with your, uh, with your laptop or your wireless device so that we stop the flow of communication and your next action is to call your trusted IT professional, right? And if you don't have a trusted IT professional, that's job one, right? Now, that trusted IT professional sometimes is somebody who knows a lot more about IT than I do. Well, you trust them and in your mind, they're an IT professional. It's a good start. But if you wanna be proactive, which is our middle name, then go ahead and have that conversation, determine who your go-to is, should the unthinkable happen, or should the thing that's gonna keep you awake at night happen. And that's where us, somebody else, we just want you to be prepared because mm -hmm. the reason we're in this is because we like to have plans. We like to help other people have plans. We're proactive by nature. So if a person, finds themselves in a situation that would cause them to, to be kind of panicked when it comes to their IT, have a plan, which means, hey, here's your wake-up call. Sounds like a financial planner, too. So yeah, exactly. I like that. Um, yeah, so I think planning, sensibility, processes, I'm hearing that a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't say this word, but it sounds like common sense, too. There's a lot of common sense. Right. Yeah. And, I, and to answer your question, also add on to that, is when, when you get, when that screen pops up and you get a ransomware or a hacker comes on or whatever, don't press any, unclick, disconnect and don't click on any buttons, yeah. which is so hard for us because we're used to interacting. So yeah, I do something, right? Yeah, we want to do something. The don't, little box pops up, X, 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 yes. Y. I can not, all I see is my dad pushing something. <laughs> <laughs> just, just imagine, I mean, there's, it's, there's a con game involved here. So, you know, the X obviously is not going to close it. It's going to install. It's the equivalent. <clears throat> we, we can make an X mean whatever we want, right? Don't interact with it. These guys and gals are pretty good at what they do. They are good at what they do. They are manipulators, manipulators. 
So, you know, one of the things that we've, we've done on this show that we find interesting, and I'm all at Anthony Haskett here, is, is we have this special, unique question, and y'all might answer it differently, uh, <laughs> but I'd love to hear, hear your answer on this. I'm going to let yeah. him fire away. What, what makes you tick? So for me, it's it's relationships and it's people. I love to hear people's stories. That's why I think it's so cool that you're doing this because you get to talk to people, learn their stories. So to me, it's just learning about people, being able to hear their stories, hear their backgrounds, and and learn about their lives. So that's and family for me because that's my own story. So that's what makes me tick is the relationship. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I've known this (laughs) woman for a long time and. She's all about the relationship. For me, it's I come at it all with the heart of a servant. So I'm going to be honest. It's praise for our people and our processes when the thing that we have sweated over and lovingly built proves worthwhile to someone else and they acknowledge that. That's what makes me tick. Awesome. Awesome answers. I know you guys have have done a good job with our firms. And certainly, mm-hmm. if folks don't have someone, I'd certainly encourage them to at least have a conversation with you guys. And in fact, with that, if you don't mind telling folks out there who don't know you, how could they find you if they wanted to learn more about, you know, what you're offering if you're a good fit? Absolutely. We sure do appreciate that. We, sh- we sure do. Uh, we are CMIT Solutions, and you can find us on the web at cmitsolutions.com. And we would encourage... Uh, anybody who wants to pick up the phone to give us a call locally here at 864-322-2948. And we have a, uh, a weekly Quick Tips newsletter. And you can find that as well by just adding forward slash Quick Tips after the CMITsolutions.com into a browser. Thanks awesome. so much for thank you all for coming. Today. We are, we really appreciate it, and uh, thanks everyone for joining us today with Connected by Community, and to and go out and find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Spotify, and all the other various media various <laughs> other media outlets that I am forgetting. But you know where to find us. Please do that. Uh, and until we see you next time, go out and make our community great. All information during this podcast is for discussion purposes only, should not be construed as advice. Please seek the advice of appropriate professionals before acting on anything in this podcast. Past performance is not an indicator of future results. Securities through Trident Advisors, LLC, member FINRA. Advisor services through Ballantine Capital Advisors, Inc., Trident Advisors, and Ballantine Capital Advisors are not affiliated.